This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hello, and with me, Cam Ruslan, today we have the returns of, second time, I think, second time, on the show. She's a a writer, editor on architectural things. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, I think I put that well. Um, Lim Shayun. Hello. Hello, great to have you back. And um, she is uh, a producer on the news team at BFM. Her hair is growing back because she <laughs> shaved it all off a while ago for charity. Um, she is Danya Naya. Hi, happy as always to be here with you, Cam, and Chao Yun as well. <laughs> great to have you here. So our three topics this week are, topic number one is Facebook user demographics. Number two is the barefoot revolution. And finally, topic number three is why architectural styles don't matter. So uh, with topic number one, I did some research on this. I'll have you know. And in the process of doing the research on Facebook and their demographic um, profiles, it it was so dispiriting because I was reading it. The, The numbers, I presume, come from Facebook. They must do. And it just struck me as being very unbelievable but anyway <laughs> i mean it's kind of like you know 200 percent of the earth's population use facebook every second and uh for instance let's just dive straight into malaysia for instance they say i mean and and to be fair they do say that different countries have different uh profiles so malaysia they say somebody says uh 90.4 percent of the population use facebook well could be true. The demographic, the age demographic of 25 to 34 is the largest, and uh, men uh, outnumber women on in that demographic. So 17% of total uh, users of Facebook in Malaysia are men of the 25 to 34, whereas 12 are 12% 25 to 34. Um Meanwhile, let's say you go across the UK, the numbers seem to be a bit different. And women outnumber men, it says, across the, the board in terms of usage in the UK as opposed to in Malaysia. Uh, whereas they say in the UK, it's 44% of the country are on Facebook. I, find, I say it's dispiriting because when you look at through, it's like media buyers are putting these numbers out and Facebook themselves. And it's just all in their best interest to say that, as I say. 200% of the population. Let's just take it as red. They say 200% of the universe's population are on Facebook. I recently, I, a few months ago, I made a mistake and I somehow got myself locked out of Facebook and I haven't been able to get back in. And I feel much better um, psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. Since it was a, not it was a blessing. It was. It was. Because every time I looked at Facebook, it just made me envious of other people's lives and and it just reaffirmed that my life was dreadful now, <laughs> that 24 to 20, 35 demographic that's 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 both of you isn't it yeah yeah shouldn't, yeah. Should, shouldn't ask a lady her age <laughs> but uh that means you are theoretically is it millennials is that a millennial are you yeah yeah we are millennials i would assume yeah i am like a bit of a cusper i'm a 96 so i am on the borderline of gen z oh gen z and pisces (laughs) is it um so okay do you two use facebook absolutely not uh, do, I think, do you have uh, an account? Do you have an account? Yeah, yeah. I think we all kind of got accounts when you turn 13. Like it's a 
rite of passage, like on your 13th birthday. It's like, oh, I can like go legally start my Facebook account now. Um, unless you were like cooler than everyone else and you like illegally got a Facebook account and you're like fake your age. Um, but I feel like that in order, you know, that whole idea of a social media platform where you go and be envious of, of someone, like that's no longer Facebook for us. I feel like that's Instagram. You know, awesome. like that, yeah, that dynamic that you're talking about, about like being jealous of other mm-hmm. people. Like Instagram is like the perfect thing for that. Because you don't even have to read anything. You just scroll through and like, oh, it's just another image which immediately tells you everything you need to know um, mm-hmm. without having to refer to the caption. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about you, Dania, but all I do on Facebook these days is post events for work. Um, mm-hmm. And then like as quickly as possible, close that tab. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree as well. I think... Facebook for me, because I joined Facebook right when it started. I think Facebook started 2007, I want to say, is when I got my account. Um, And it was during the days of, you know, where there was nothing much happening on Facebook. It was the innocent days of Facebook where you did things like, you know, Danya's feeling sleepy. Those kind (laughs) of updates on Facebook. It was a a very simple time. And now I feel like it... uh, Oh, it's surprising to me that you say that younger people are still on it or make up a large chunk of people on it. Apparently. Because, yeah, yeah, that surprised me as well. Because for what I can tell, the younger people are like, oh, Facebook's no longer cool. You know, everyone's on Instagram or whatever else, new social media platforms that are coming up. So it's surprising to me because I feel like Facebook is just to post work stuff, um, to sometimes look at old photographs that I've posted up there. I think that's one of the main reasons I haven't deleted my account is because of all the things I posted before and I want to keep those memories. Um, and also just to remember people's birthdays. <laughs> so I can't remember all of them. Yeah. You get those notifications. Yeah, yeah so, so it's quite surprising that, yeah, I'm surprised yeah. that that many people are still using it. And again, it's, like you said, it's a bit untrustworthy, these... Um, no, absolutely. Figures. But I, I think that you two, well, we three, in fact, would be counted as as users because we have not uh, deactivated our accounts. That's so true. We may yeah. not be using it. And you say that it's to re- remember people's birthdays. At my age, it becomes, you know, to see, oh, he's still alive. Oh, <laughs> 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 you know. or, That's not morbid at all. <laughs> oh, she just died. Who uh, knows yeah, a lot of that, you know? It becomes... Facebook is a bit like um, it's like the New Straits Times, really. It's just at, at our age, it's 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 just obituaries and classified <laughs> ads. <laughs> you know, I would like to yeah, say I mean, this is Cam's opinion and does not stand for either shall you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, Facebook is known as a boomer app, so I guess that's where we're all headed in the end. Yeah. Uh, yes. No. True. But um, have you found? Uh, you, you mentioned Shayun, um Instagram earlier. Have you found a an an app, a social media app that has that there's that is a home for you? That's a really interesting question. Um, I don't know if anyone really feels at home in any social media app at all. Like this is a maybe a bit of a kind of meta question. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I I think for me, I definitely spend the most time on Instagram. Uh, I used to be a big TikTok user, but I feel like TikTok has at that point had gotten to know me so well that it was like almost too real. And I had to delete the app because I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, number one, spending way too much time on this. Number two, like this feels a little bit too personalized and like too intimate, you know? So I think Instagram is that comfortable distance where like, oh, okay. Like I can still scroll endlessly and like 
a video loop uh, if I have nothing better to do with my time um, and still see what all my friends are up to and, um, you know, not have that deep kind of like being seen and being like perceived that the algorithm TikTok has allowed. Yeah, it's like, I'm not an algorithm. Oh, kittens. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Danya, do you... uh... Do you have a, a a social media? I mean, I, I yeah, I think I think like Shayun, I also use Instagram a lot, but a lot is um. When I say a lot, it, it's not really that much time because I feel like as I grow older, I'm moving away from social media, or I don't open the app so much. I have them on my phone, or I have them on my laptop, whatever it is. But there's a thing about balancing of like the enjoyment you get from social media and just like feeling bad <laughs> while using social media. Um, mm. And I think I think maybe things like the um, they have that app, the Be Real app. I think that those might be ones that we see coming out more. The ones that just you know you have to post what you're doing at the exact time, as opposed to moderating the content that you want to post. Oh, really? So I think those kind of social media platforms might become more common, especially as more people are sort of pushing back against the content we see on Instagram or Facebook or whatever else there is. But yeah, it's hard to be really at home with social media right now. I think. But Danya, you said you use Instagram. Do you, do you actually post on it or is it? are you just observing life? Uh, if I post, it's like a once in five months everything. Um, <laughs> so I yeah. share, uh, you know, face um, stuff from work as well. Um, and just, yeah, like Sean, you say, when you get bored, there's Instagram reels to just kind of scroll through when you're wasting time. But there's no sense of like, oh, I'm going to post this today. I'm going to post this next week or something, you know. Or, oh, I'm going on holiday. I'm going to post all these pictures, those kind of things. Even now, I don't really do that anymore. I think if I was younger, I would be very excited about it, about sharing my life. But as I've grown older, I'm sort of, the the, the sense of like privacy is sort of growing, I think. Yeah, it's it's too kind late, of Danya. weird to say privacy with social media. But, I know. It's yeah. too late. They know everything about you. Look at yeah, Shayun. I know. They, I mean, she's <laughs> just a mere algorithm. Yeah, of no. course, I've been <laughs> absorbed by all the kids and puppies. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I just anecdotally, again, um, okay, uh, forget the statistics that are pumped out. Your friends um, and indeed family, is Facebook still a thing? Shayun. I would say no. Um, uh, maybe, yeah, not even among family of older age who have never really been on social media. Um, I think Facebook is over. You heard it here first. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danya? Um, I have some family members who use it, but um, weirdly, they're all from Australia. I don't know if that says something about uh, mm. Facebook users in Australia. Uh, but other than that, yeah, no one else really seems to use Facebook. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe it's just that side of the world that right. wants to use Facebook. But, yeah, I, I think, yeah, Facebook I- is dead. <laughs> Yeah, I would say in my age demographic, uh, just purely anecdotally, I'd say yes, it's still it's still a thing. And I've got a book coming out fairly soon, and I'm going to be all over Facebook oh, wow. then. <laughs> I'm going to be back on Facebook then, Cam. Yeah, I'm just because I don't I don't say a word on Facebook now. But when the book comes out, oh, you're not going to you, you'll not hear the end of it. Um, I'll read your book. I won't go on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'll find out about it through TikTok. Um, so we move on to topic number two, Danya, the barefoot revolution. Yeah, um, I guess it's more of a movement than a revolution. I don't know if it's if people are how many people are doing it, but it's more popular, sort of, you know, Western side of things, UK, US. Um, there are some people doing it in India. Um, and it's as simple as you think. It's literally just not wearing shoes anymore, just going barefoot, you know, freeing your feet. <laughs> um and 
I, it's it's more stuff started because people have realized that, um, you know, wearing shoes is not really that natural for our feet. Um, our feet technically should be like the spaces between your toes are supposed to be wider. Your feet should be stronger. Um, but because we wear shoes so much, like our nerves are sort of dulled a bit, the n- nerves that are underneath there. Um, so a lot of people have started, you know, deciding to move away from shoes, just go barefoot. Um, and they, you know, find things like their knee pain is gone or, or their heel pain is gone. They don't get bunions as easily anymore. Um, and there's also this thing they do called earthing. It's basically like grounding, right? So you just, all your electrons in your body sort of goes towards the ground. And people say that even when they do that, they feel better, like just personally health-wise overall, not just their feet, they feel better. They sleep better at night. Um, <laughs> apparently this is a yoga thing as well. Yeah, so I was kind of thinking that if ba- if people were more perceptive to going barefoot here, I would probably do it because I think it sounds Oh, so you don't do it? I don't I mean, do it. I oh, don't. Okay. It's something I recently <laughs> learned. Um, actually, BFM just BFM Digital team just did a wonderful post about it. If you got, anyone wants to check it out on our social media, on your Facebook, Instagram, it's all there. Um, <laughs> but like, yeah, it it sounds great. It sounds great because like when you look at the photos from studies, like you can see like our feet, have just been squeezed into a different form than what it's supposed to be. You mm. know? So, Danya, if, if Sha Yun and I are the trailblazers that go go and do this, then you will just join the herd. Yes. And, and do Please, it. I basically, <laughs> this is my pitch to someone to start the movement here in Malaysia. Right. That's why I came on the show today. Okay. Um, please. All right. Okay. I'm, I'm barefoot right. now, if that helps. Oh, I'm taking my shoes in the, in the office. <laughs> I mean, Generally, when I come into the office and I sit down, the shoes are off. Yeah. You know, I broke my ankle a few months ago. And so actually my relationship to how I walk and my shoes and barefootedness and whatnot has really changed. Mm. And and I realized, because I've always been a shoe-wearing person, that that and indeed my physiotherapist was teaching me very much to, to do uh, heel-to-toe walking. Whereas really I should, I mean, like the uh, shoeless way would be toe to heal you yes. more kind of like lead with your toes yes um and and i have uh walked around barefoot but i'm i'm not walking properly and i'm actually in a bit of pain so mm. um i'm very brave though you wouldn't know but um yeah uh, i mean yeah i also have had a very difficult relationship to walking for for quite a long time now so um my father is an orthopedic surgeon Ooh. and I have a lot of orthopedic problems, which is very fortunate for the <laughs> amount of medical bills I don't have to pay. Um, but I've had flat feet, you know, since I was a child. You have so flat feet, sorry? Flat feet. Oh, flat feet, right. So the advice actually has always been to wear shoes with mm-hmm. arches, no matter where I am, especially at home, uh, because that feeling of your barefoot on the ground with no kind of intermediary between it will collapse your arch even further if there's, still, if there's nothing to kind of prop it up. Um, so fascinatingly enough, I don't think I will be quite the one to start the yeah. barefoot revolution. <laughs> I mean, there, there, is a, there is a caveat with this movement is they do say like, depending on if you do have any feet conditions, like you should avoid it if you can't, like if you actually do need the support. But basically, I guess the movement behind it is like, because the shoe business is so big as well, like, you know, we been sort of, trained to think that shoes are necessarily what we need you know what i mean like 
People say like when they walk, their balance, but walk barefoot, their balance is better. Their gait improves when they're walking barefoot. So, like we've only started wearing shoes like in the past forty thousand years, I think. But years and years ago, before that, we weren't, you know, really wearing shoes. And you well, know, well, we've been wearing. I mean, yeah, shoes with heels. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've been maybe wearing shoes that were just flat. Yeah, people like they had like you know animal skin covering their feet and things like that in the yeah. olden days and things, but. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I kind of understand it. People, my only problem with this is like, um, people say like, you know, their their focus improves when they walk because they have to look out for, you know, like glass or whatever it is on the road. I don't think I could do that. I don't think my focus would improve and I think I would just constantly injure myself <laughs> if I did this on the road. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know if you've noticed. So um, Europeans, for instance, when as soon as the sun comes out, they start taking their shoes off and walking around the streets and I'm going... Are you people idiots? So I was in Bali recently, and yeah, you'd see these uh, white people who 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 walk without shoes, and I, and the place is covered in dog poo. There are a lot of poo uh, uh, pooing dogs. There's a lot of dogs <laughs> out there, and and I've seen on people dog hookworm. I don't oh. know if you've ever seen. It. It's I mean it's a hole in your foot at the bottom of your mm-hmm. foot, and and the worm goes up inside, and these people are just walking around like, oh. and and I'd be thinking. Wear some shoes, <laughs> Danya. I'm, I'm having trouble. To, I'm having trouble, Danya, really getting into this because you're not going to do it yourself. I mean, I will. I will do it, Cam. If you start it, I will follow you. No, that really doesn't count. <laughs> well, maybe like a comfortable in between will be barefoot shoes, right? Which is this big new trend. I don't know if you guys have heard of Vibram. No, no. It's is this it? brand that essentially advertises itself as barefoot shoes. So it's meant to mimic the feeling of being barefoot without having a kind of, I mean, you've seen those shoes that look exactly like feet. They're like sculpted yeah, yeah, to yeah, look yeah, like yeah. feet. Yeah, that's Vibram. Um, yeah. But what I find interesting particularly is that that's become an aesthetic in and of itself, right? Like um, clearly you're wearing a shoe, right? It's a piece of black plastic. Um, but the number of people who use Vibram not just as a kind of athletic thing, right? Like people use it to run long distances, et cetera, et cetera. But like Balenciaga is now partnering with Vibram and they made these disgusting, but I guess like really fascinating, like barefoot heels. It's just like a barefoot kind of shoe plastic thing with like a block heel at the back. Um, So yeah, you know, equally this white person who just put on shoes in Bali to prevent... um, (laughs) I don't know, worms in their feet, yeah. you know, could perhaps invest in this option. Da- Daniel, would would that be a, a a halfway house for you? I guess, but I think I think the point also at the moment is that you don't have to go barefoot all the time. You can like it doesn't have to be either or. You can like you know sometimes wear shoes. It's kind of neither nor for you though, right? <laughs> <laughs> I have walked. To be fair, I there have been times where I have walked on the road barefoot in my younger days. When yeah. I was out late at night wearing heels and then, you know, you get tired of them and you just take them off because you don't care anymore. You don't care because the pain's too much. And you know what? If I get some disease later, it's fine. I'll deal with it later. So I have done it. I just haven't done it consistently. Right. Well, the soles of my feet are like crushed velvet. I mean, it's just I'm I'm so soft. But, uh, <laughs> Even going like from the shower to the towel is is kind of ow, ooh, ow, ooh, ooh, kind of thing. <laughs> So, you can um, start slow, Cam. You just go on grass and then ease yourself. And then once you're done, tell me and I'll join you. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is 
this is a study in cowardice. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um okay well if anybody out there wants to lead the movement um daniel will follow you i will (laughs) (laughs) see Uh, the dg sound (laughs) yeah yeah and then and then we and then yeah we could join we could become the majority and then we'll find the likes of xiao yun who will be the other (laughs) minority with her arches looking at her and be like she's wearing shoes oh my god yeah yeah (laughs) Cancel. <laughs> cancel. Then we'll get to like burn Xiao Yun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, that went dystopian very fast. So, uh, so okay. Uh, in a moment, though, we're going to be talking uh, one extreme to the other. Uh, architectural styles don't matter here on A Bit of Culture, BFM 89.9. And we're back uh, with myself, Cam Ruslan, Dan Yuna, and Lim Xiao Yun. And now, Xiao Yun, architectural styles don't matter. Yeah. So maybe to question it a little bit more, architectural styles are overrated. Oh. So I think, you know, when people look at buildings, the first thing they see, obviously, is the facade, right? And therefore, the facade is kind of the identifier of the building um, and what to one's understanding of it. Judging a, a building by its style, um, and oftentimes that equates to its facade, is, I think, oftentimes like judging a book by its cover. Right, you're not really getting into the contents and the guts and the kind of like really the spatial intricacies of what a building is um, if you're just looking at it from the outside. I mean, style is a very easy identifier, um, especially if you're trying to date a building, right? Buildings from the 1910s look like this because of technology, et cetera, et cetera. But from a perspective of trying to sort of figure out what you like about architecture, you know, figure out what um, kind of spaces you enjoy, Style, I think, really shouldn't be the place where you start. Um, rather than looking at a building from the outside, I think a much more interesting thing would be to look at, let's say, the plan or a section of a building, right? A plan being a kind of like top-down view. We've all seen floor plans, if not at your homes or at uh, malls or whatever. Uh, but that really is the kind of like uh, basic basis of how you navigate a building, right, in a kind of like horizontal plane. And then a section is when it gets more interesting. A section is how you navigate a building in a horizontal plane, right? Uh, Where are the stairs located? Is there an interesting vertical relationship between one floor to another? So, I mean, once you kind of think of architecture as more so the way in which space is sculpted, so the way in which the horizontals and the verticals are put together, rather than how a facade is slapped onto a building, I think that'll really open up our vocabulary for architectural experience. That's my short pitch. Okay, but but Shaya, not all of us have the privilege enough to be able to to know what the inside of the building is. I can't. I mean, I walk, walk past the building and I and I go up to the security guard and say, "Could I sh- could you show me the, the plans of the building, please?" Because I, I I can't decide if I like this building or not. Um, yeah, the outside, I, so, you know, it's the face. It's it's what you see. What the yeah. Out- I, and I think a lot of people think of architectural experience as like viewing something from the outside, right? But I always sort of encourage people to think of architectural experience as something that is located really in the day-to-day. What is your house like, right? What's your office like? Um, how are the tables in your office laid out? Um, where is the table in relation to the window in your be- in your bedroom, right? These are all very simple things that can help us build a kind of like mental image of how the interior building can look like. It's not necessarily kind of like look at a plan um, that is sort of external from you, but start to build like a map of places and things in your mind. 
Um, and almost, you know, as you walk the periphery of an interior, then the building itself starts to tell you where things are. Um, and then the, that's the kind of picture that starts to, to happen. Um, okay. in, yeah. So you, your, your judgment would be based on um, usage, and well, end I, usage, I, efficiency, ergonomics. Yeah, I, I think these are all, I mean, definitely part um, of architectural experience, right? As I mean, for me, a, a, lot, a big part of it is really how um, buildings are poetically put together, like spatial experience, right? Hmm. Um, I, and I think that can mean a lot of different things for a lot of different people. So for me, I find it really fascinating when there are like corners that don't quite work up, you know, like that's called the corner problem in architecture, if there are any architecture nerds out there. Um, but, you know, how two walls meet is a very essential problem um, in architecture. Um, yeah, you're not impressed then by, say, the fascist architecture of uh, Hitler's Berlin, uh, <clears throat> where it would be, but a lot of people would have been like, oh, this is victory. This is this is uh, humankind, German kind at its best. You'd be like, no, but do, do the corners fit? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a that's a big part of it, right? Like, um, well, Hitler's Germany and sort of Germania, right? Huge, big buildings to represent the kind of like towering fascism uh, that would be at play, kind of revival of neoclassicism to kind of reach back into roots and to sort of assert yourself as a like rightful bringer of the next stage of white Western civilization. Um, but more so than that, like what are the implicit sort of uh, in the implicit I guess expectations of the of the building that you have when you walk inside, right? You would think of okay, let's say neoclassical building. I go in, there's definitely an atrium, right? There'll definitely be stairs. Let's say it's like a winged building, right? There'll, there'll be stairs up to a kind of like upper level floor. There'll be a very tall kind of foyer mm. where I can look up and see a grand chandelier. Um, but I would I would sort of you know that's where I guess the line between style um, and space really comes in. Right, space is the way in which um, a building is put together from the inside out. Style is how a building is sort of seen from the outside. Um, and I would oh. argue that you would have an incomplete experience of a building if you've only seen it from the outside. The mm. inside is key. Uh, Danya, are, are there buildings that you you liked that kind of fit in with Shayun's hypothesis? I, I mean, to be honest, I don't think there's a building that I've gone into I think I think there is that trap of especially if you as a tourist you go somewhere there's always like oh this look at this church it's so great like it's so beautiful from the outside I've never really thought of it from the inside could we compare it perhaps to like Wanutama when I look at it from the outside and I have no idea how it is inside because when I go inside I'm thinking this layout is so impractical who designed this so I guess in that sense what Shayun is saying makes sense because in order to f figure out whether the architecture of a place is really practical, you would have to go inside as opposed to just admiring it from the outside. Um, I don't know if that's a building that I like, though. I like my house. Does that count? Yeah, I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, actually, a lot of Malaysian buildings are, are designed neither for the outside nor the inside. <laughs> um, but economics comes into it, too. I mean, you, you build what you can afford. And, and if you're a, a good architect then you can make something that's impressive, if that's the right word, despite whatever you have, your budget. But it might be impressive today, but in 20 years' time, it just looks silly. 
No, I definitely don't think so. I mean, some of my favorite buildings that are still lived in, right, um, are the public work department's houses that were oh, built yeah. in PJ, right, from yeah, yeah, yeah. 60s and 70s. And they're still standing. They're still lovely buildings. Yeah. And well-built, um, well-built. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I do think that good architecture does kind of step outside of time in that sense, right? Um, mm. A building that is still, that was wonderful in the 1920s is still wonderful today um even you know according to modern standards of livability um, in some yeah. Yeah. i went to a university in it was up in perak somewhere and it was a it was designed by norman foster the you know the norman foster who uh shayun help me out here what's what else has he done um, um he has done ilham tower uh which is right here in Kuala yeah. Lumpur. yeah yeah and, and, I mean, he's like the the, the big name, the Gherkin. Was that him? Yeah. <clears throat> big name. So I went there, and it looked amazing. It really did look amazing. But as I as I looked at it more closely, thinking this is a university is going to have a lot of young people passing through it, I kind of thought, yeah, but this place is going to fall apart. And mm. and all the furniture had been purpose built for the building. And you know, furniture in a university stroke school. I mean, it did collapses. It had like. A three hundred different types of light bulbs, and and it had a, a wall. You, you mentioned the wall, the corner problem, where clearly people are going to turn the corner and put their hand on the wall, to sort of help them around the corner. So you're going to have hundreds of grubby hands on your Norman Foster wall. It's going to look like rubbish. <laughs> I was thinking, it's it's built to look amazing as a plan, as a three D model. On the day that the ribbon is cut, there's no regard to, to whether or not it's going to be practical as a university full of young people in the years to come. Um, but it looked nice. And whoever yeah, can... and I would I would say that as an example of style being overrated as well. You know, um, mm. Nolan Foster is hired because he builds nice glass and steel buildings, and glass and steel, as you know does not make a necessarily a good building. Um, and, you know, I think that's a very good example of buildings yeah. that just don't work. In, uh, in the tropics as well. I mean, yeah. yeah. Sunshine, I mean, rain. in Turkey and Syria and the new and the recent earthquake, a reason why the death toll was so high was because so many of the buildings were not up to regulation. Um, basically, it was sort of wedding cake architecture, right, where the, the pillars on the ground floor weren't strong enough to hold these two, three, four-story buildings. So once your ground floor collapses, essentially your entire sort of uh, building will also fall down. Mm. So Shayun, tell us a building that you like. A building that I like. Um, I actually, I grew up with this building. Uh, it's a Chongfatzi mansion in Penang. Oh. I love this building. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's cheating somehow. It's cheating, okay. Um, a building that I like, the Jugra Palace that I recently visited. Okay. Yeah, it's a really, really stunning, and honestly, I think a very underrated tourist destination. Um, it yeah, was yeah. the former Istana. So, you know, first of all, like just beautiful wooden construction. Um, and it's also very quiet. So if you're looking for like a beautiful place to go that is very quiet, I would highly recommend it. But my my favorite part of the building actually isn't this sort of like main istana itself. It's the way that there's a there was a new wing that was built, I think, around World War II. It's the way the new wing meets the new istana and how they kind of had to 
to use this pathway of these this sort of network of hallways to kind of integrate this new structure into the existing floor plan of the Astana. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd, for me, I'd quickly say that there was a building I saw in Kuala Kangsa. I don't even know if it's still standing. Uh, it was, I think it may have been abandoned at the time, the wooden building, probably built in about in the 1920s. What I loved about it was the way that it had used uh, design or and, and knowledge to create a very cool building so that it, it almost practically sucked in cool air, pushed the hot air up to the, to, to the top where it could then... Um, be expelled and it was just yeah this is how people should build because it it's really cool yeah. uh danya do you have a building Are we, you don't like one oh. well okay i'm gonna shout out my university of adelaide uh <laughs> alma mater because okay. their campus is really beautiful um i don't know when the building was built but it looks like very it gives off the very castle vibes and uh my reason is not as um my reason is basically just because the hall looks like straight out of Hogwarts, basically, and that's the main reason why I like it. Yeah. So it's emotion. It's emotion. Yes, it's emotion. It's I don't emotion. know if it's practically it's the best, but yeah. you know, <laughs> aesthetically, it opposite of emotion. what Xiaoyun was talking about, aesthetically, <laughs> yeah. it's great. It, but it, it ticked emotional boxes for you. Yes. Style yes. lives on. His style lives on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So. We have to move on, and we move on now to uh, recommendations. We recommend something that we think might be of interest, and I go first. So uh, my recommendation is a little, a little unusual. Um, I uh, some people came to fix my internet the other day, and so I had no internet. So I just reached out and, and grabbed the nearest book to hand, and it was a book about in in my place. It was a book about the history of um, Caribbean, and I'd always been putting it off. It's like oh, I don't, you know, why did I buy this book? I don't want to read history of Caribbean. And then I was reading it. It was like, oh, this is amazing. I'm learning the history of the Caribbean. And I know nothing about the history of the Caribbean. And it's become the most exciting thing that's happened to me for ages because I know nothing about the history of the Caribbean. And now I'm getting to know about the history of the Caribbean. <laughs> so my recommendation is not go out and learn the history of the Caribbean, um, although that would be of interest. But um, it's to, I don't know, it's to, to learn something new. I mean, I... My knowledge of history is pretty good, but I know nothing about Caribbean. And it's really exciting to just learn about it <laughs> and to see sort of parallels and 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 the differences between here, Malaysia, and there. So most exciting things happen to me is to learn something completely new. I'm not saying go bungee jumping or <laughs> or walk around barefoot. I'm, I'm yeah, just whatever's sort of like in your wheelhouse, but a little bit more besides. Uh, so that's my recommendation. Uh, Danya. Uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend uh, a documentary uh, series on Netflix. It's called The Romantics. Um, and it's basically about uh, Yash Chopra, who, if you are not familiar with Hindi cinema, um, is like a big, big name. Um, he passed away a few years ago, but... Um, his films really changed how the industry was, especially in terms of romance films. And it's sort of a documentary about um, the movies he made, um, his legacy, how it's passed on to his children, how, you know, his work is basically every big name you can think of in, in Bollywood, like Amitabh Bachchan, Shah Rukh Khan, all those names who came up in the film industry partly because of him, partly because working with his, his company. And I think it's really 
interesting to see how people, especially when you think about how the older generation used to watch films, you know, what they preferred to watch and how those those things have changed as we've gotten older. Like, you know, the whole story of the damsel in distress is a big thing in the in the past and now we're sort of seeing more stories that are, you know, more women empowering and things like that. Um and I, I guess just the the uniqueness of the Bollywood film industry, I think, is good to watch if you if you're interested in those kind of things. So I would recommend that. I really enjoyed it. I think it's four episodes in total. Yeah, just to contradict what I was saying earlier about learn something new, I've always been kind of afraid of the whole uh, Indian cinema thing because it just seems so big. <laughs> and it's like if I open that door, that's just too much. But that I've seen that oh, corner of my eye that documentary, but. Mm. Have you watched the films of that filmmaker? I have, I have. There, there's uh, too many that even if you don't like specifically search for his films, you will eventually come across one of them. And you, and you do you think they still stand up? I would say so. There there are a few that are a bit um, iffy and probably wouldn't would get cancelled in today's age. Um, yeah. But in general, all of them are, are still pretty watchable and still pretty enjoyable. So I would recommend going to watch them. Yeah. Shayun, how is your Bollywood Indian cinema knowledge? Very, very low. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. You can you can jump in. the The thing about Bollywood movies, regardless of the plot, they're always very welcoming, and you end up enjoying them at some point. Like it's 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 a different industry to Hollywood, and you need to experience it at least once in your life. Even if you don't like the singing and dancing, like that's part of the charm, guys. Oh no, for sure, for sure. Um, <laughs> Okay, I will check out the Romantics on Netflix, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I will. I I kind of like was about to press start the other day, and then I didn't. <laughs> do it. Do uh, it. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Do it. Do it. Um, okay, and then Shayun, what's your recommendation? My recommendation is an album. Uh, it's Caroline Polachek's newest release, "Desire." I want to turn into you. So Caroline Polachek is a very tall woman from New York. Um, that is her most defining trait. Uh, but she has this amazing voice, like a really, really incredible voice. Um, if you listen to her music, it sounds like it's all auto-tuned, but it's not. It's just that her vocal range is that high and that versatile. And she's able to sort of change notes and keys with this like insane amount of ease. Uh, so this al- recent album that she just released is her sophomore personal project. She used to be a half of a band called Chairlift. Um, but Desire I Want to Turn Into You, I think, is truly one of the best things I've heard um, in the past year. Um, it's So first of all, right, I think it's a very interesting take on pop. Uh, she has parts of the album where, you know, she kind of plays with the structure of a pop song. So instead of having like the verse, chorus, verse, chorus, hook, da, da, da. Um, she, they kind of like go on and on and on this this feeling of like endlessness and mania that kind of goes on with that. But also I think as a sort of album as a whole, it's very evocative of a kind of certain period, not just in her life, but in all all of our lives. So um, it was developed over between 2020 to now. um, And in 2020, she moved to Sicily. Um, So, you know, beautiful Mediterranean in front of you. Uh, I'd hate to follow Um, her on Facebook. That would just... (laughs) (laughs) Or Instagram. (laughs) Or Instagram, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of kind of tropical house, a lot of kind of like Italian pop that is evoked in the way in which the music sounds. But also there's a lot of like quiet political treatises that happen in the music itself. 
Like one of the singles that was released is called Sunset. And there's this one line where she talks about not basically not having a safety net. Um, and she's like, um, instead of having a safety net, all I see is a hand that's folding mine. Right. So there are these moments of like really quite beautiful, uh, quiet politics. I think that's um, evocative of, all, of what we've all been feeling for the past mm. two years. So yeah. highly Don, recommend. Don, Danya, are you familiar with? Uh... I, I am not, but I'm very interested to check her out now. Um, mm. Yeah, especially since her defining features, she's very tall. <laughs> right. don't, don't you millennials have a, a newsletter that goes around? That's, that kind of that's like, TikTok. TikTok's the, right. the newsletter. The, the newsletter. So true. <laughs> so what, what, what's her name again? Caroline Pulacek. 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 P-O-L-A-C-H-E-K. Okay. And the album's called? desire i want to turn into you and it's just come out is it it has just come out yep this year ah, cool okay i will try her i will try her on youtube or something just uh, <laughs> dip my <laughs> dip my toes and see how because I, I a while ago I've, I, ex I explained to to people that i've, I've closed the books on uh, new music it's like uh, i just, can't just keep the beatles it. for you now Cam? yeah absolutely thank you daniel yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just the Beatles and Beatles Bowie. And, and David Bowie. I'm and David Bowie. Thank you, Danny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, but she sounds she sounds very intriguing. So I will check her out. Uh, so thank you very much. And uh, well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. And uh, only remains me now to thank Danya Naya. Thank you. Thank you. It's been so much fun. <laughs> uh, Danya, I mean, seriously, next time you come on with some breaking new trend, <laughs> you, you've really got to be doing that trend yourself. <laughs> I'm just sharing news. I'm sharing news. I know, but you're just exposing cowardice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll be better next time, Cam. You're the woman who shaved her head for charity. Uh, <laughs> yeah? you And you raised a lot of money. So. All right, fine. I will start the movement in Malaysia. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. And, um, well, thank you, Shayun. Lim Shayun. Thank you for having me. And, and Shayun, where can we find some of your writings on architecture? Um, there is no collated place, but you can check out my publishing house, Cloud Projects. Your, your publishing, what? Yes, publishing. We, we have, a, myself and two friends have a publishing house together called Cloud Projects. Cl cloud Projects. Yeah, Cloud Projects. Oh, cool, okay. Oh, well, thank you. And also, uh, goodbye from, from uh, me, Cam Ruslan, and uh, see you next week for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.